0: Hello, friends. This is Series 9 of Satisfied. The Series 9 podcasts enhance the Graceful Living Bible Study, covering the essential truths for living a life of freedom and joy in Christ. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we looked at more treasure that God lavishes upon us when we place our faith in His Son. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 7 of the Graceful Living Bible Study. We will learn how to live out our freedom in Christ by balancing our liberty with love. In this lesson, we covered the truth that Christians are free from bondage to the Jewish law given by God through Moses, which governed the daily life of every Israelite. We also covered what legalism looks like in the church today the many reasons why legalism is bad, and how to recognize when someone is trying to force a legalistic expectation on you. If you haven't done Lesson 7 in the Graceful Living Bible Study, I recommend that you download it from my website and work through it. Jesus Christ brings liberty, but with liberty comes responsibility. To enjoy our liberty, Without offending one another within a love-bonded community, we must balance liberty with love. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13 verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Christians are to be a love-bonded community. How well we love makes Jesus look good or bad. It's so important because that's what the outside world sees. And based on the impression we give them, they make a judgment about Jesus. It's our love bond that brings glory to God. Issues that bring us into conflict test our love for God and for one another. And it's highly probable that you and I may conflict on our interpretation of God's will on issues not specifically addressed in the Bible, especially those addressed in the New Testament. How should we then respond to each other? How do we balance our liberty with love? Romans chapter 14 and chapter 15 show us how to do this. Balancing liberty begins with acceptance. Romans 14 verse 1 says this, Accept him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. And Romans chapter 15 verse 7 says this, Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. That tells me that I might not accept someone for a particular reason. What reason? The Scripture says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Some have weaker faith, and it's those disputable matters that are causing the problems. What are disputable matters? Another version calls them opinions. I could be full of those for sure. The Greek word Paul used there means the thinking of a person deliberating with herself. Have you ever done that? Deliberate with yourself? I have. Is that activity right or wrong? Should I do that or should I not do that? You know what I'm talking about. Disputable matters are things not specifically stated as right or wrong especially for Christians as stated in the New Testament. For any issue that arises, you can determine your response to that issue by asking three questions about that issue. Question 1. Is it a moral issue? Question 2. Is it stunting someone's spiritual growth? Question 3. Is it disrupting unity within the body of Christ? Using these questions is like doing word problems in math. I like word problems because they make me gather the facts, then fit them together to arrive at a solution. Or if you don't like word problems, think of it like a science experiment where you follow a process to test a theory. We're going to follow a process. Question 1. Is it a moral issue? A moral issue involves a behavior or practice that is specifically stated in the Bible as right or wrong. We can study the New Testament teachings to see if God specifically states His will on that for every Christian. We usually call them absolutes. Absolutes are truths essential to the Christian faith. They never change. Absolutes are true for every believer, in every nation, in every culture within that nation, and during every time period in history. There are absolute doctrines and absolute behaviors. Absolute doctrines are those defining true Christianity and they are non-negotiable. Examples of these are the Bible is the inspired Word of God. God is a Trinity, three persons in one. Jesus is God, not just a human religious teacher. Jesus died and rose from the grave for the sins of the world. The Holy Spirit is God and not just a force or energy. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith. Those are absolute doctrines. Absolute behaviors are behaviors specifically revealed in the Scriptures, especially the New Testament, as right or wrong for every Christian. Examples are the list given in Ephesians chapters 4 and 5 and Colossians chapter 3. Those are clearly revealed as God's will regarding what is right and what is considered sin for every believer in every culture and through all time periods of history. We'll cover these more thoroughly in Lesson 8 of Graceful Living Bible Study. Those are absolutes. They are not disputable matters. Non-absolutes are not essential to the Christian faith. They can change over time and can be different in various cultures and time periods. Non-absolutes are the disputable matters. Paul addresses three things in Romans chapter 14, food, drink, and religious celebrations. These are things we would call neutral. They are neither right nor wrong in themselves. Some examples of these in our world are eating meat or not eating meat, drinking a glass of wine or not drinking a glass of wine, working on Sunday or not working on Sunday, Disputable matters would also include recreation, such as playing baseball or watching television, the types of clothing to wear, such as women wearing pants or skirts, and personal grooming, such as coloring your hair or wearing makeup. These are non-absolutes. You will not find the apostles addressing whether or not you can play baseball or color your hair. As a Christian, you are free to determine between you and Jesus his will for you on those issues. That's the Holy Spirit living inside of you, communicating with your spirit what is pleasing to God. But your freedom to make those choices is still governed by Jesus' commands to love God wholeheartedly and to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to ask Jesus to give us guidance on a disputable matter and emerge with either personal convictions or preferences. Paul wrote some guidelines for us in Romans chapter 14. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind as one who is in the Lord Jesus, he said, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Regarding disputable matters, Jesus may give you a personal conviction about something that is right or wrong for you individually. Whatever the issue, You must determine from Jesus His will for you on that issue and live by it, even though other believers may differ. If you don't obey Him, Paul said that is sin for you. Why is that? It's because we live by faith according to a personal relationship with our Lord. I want to give a warning here. Some of us are wired to think that everything is either right or wrong. You might think, if it's wrong for me, it must be wrong for everyone. That's making a rule for believers that God didn't make. It is not sin for anyone else whom Jesus has not convicted on that issue. That's what throws us, isn't it? Now remember, these are non-absolutes. That's what we're talking about here. And our personal convictions can change over time as we grow and mature in Christ. Personal convictions are only right or wrong for you. Those would fit in the category of disputable matters we can also have preferences. Preferences are issues on which you may have a personal liking, but they aren't right or wrong for you or for anyone else. These are usually traditions or customs, like styles of worship music, celebrating religious holidays, dancing, watching television, the order of a worship service, how often to have communion, that kind of thing. They also change over time. These are definitely disputable matters. Starting with that difference between absolutes and non-absolutes as the foundation, you can take any issue and follow a process to find out if it is a moral one. You gather the facts to find out if it is a moral issue addressed by Scripture, then you consider how you respond biblically. Let's consider an example. Celebrating Christmas Easter and church only on Sundays. First, you gather the facts. Sundays, Christmas, and Easter are special days traditionally observed by Christians. There is no New Testament verse where God commands Christians to celebrate any particular day of the year. That's a fact. So determine if it is a moral issue addressed by Scripture. Celebrating Christmas and Easter is not a moral issue. Celebrating them can have a lot of spiritual meaning in our lives. Those are traditions. Celebrating them would come under preferences. God didn't demand religious celebrations for Christians, as He did for the Jews, even the Sabbath. And I think I know why. Because it isn't transferable to every nation and time period of history. What about worship only on Sundays? Only Israel took a day off. Gentile Christians met in the early morning of the first day of the week, then they went to work. Or they met in the evening after a day of work. So church worship on any other day of the week besides Sunday is not right or wrong. That's not a moral issue. So how would I respond biblically? Let's say to Christmas and Easter. I could decide not to celebrate Christmas any longer since it's not expected by God. But I don't have the liberty to tell you not to do so. And when I go to your house, I could enjoy your decorations, your hospitality, but I must keep my preference to myself. That's balancing liberty with love. What about worship only on Sundays? We are supposed to meet together as believers on a regular basis. We are blessed in my country to have a day or two off from work or school each week. But not everyone gets Sunday off. Choosing the time to worship with other believers is a preference, not an absolute. Saturday evening is fine. So is Friday evening or any other time available to meet together with other Christians for worship. Remember, any absolute has to transfer across every national border and timeline of history. So to balance liberty with love, you need to answer the question, Is it a moral issue? If yes... Don't do it if God says not to do it. If the answer is no, consider what Jesus wants you individually to do in any disputable matter. Beyond that, you need to be more others focused and ask a second question. Question two, is my choice stunting someone's spiritual growth? Stunting someone's spiritual growth is serious business. Paul would agree. Let's look at two principles. Principle number one comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Paul says this, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. He's talking about those disputable matters here, the non-absolutes. Here's the principle. You may have the complete freedom to do something yourself, but it may not be beneficial to you or to those around you. Jesus and you need to determine that. That's especially true concerning how much you partake of our secular culture. Principle number two comes from 1 Corinthians 8, verse 10. He says this, For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? Here's the principle. There is a distinction between public and private use of liberty. When your Christian brother or sister sees you and is distressed by what you are doing, that's a signal that you need to talk to Jesus about whether or not to do that activity, especially in front of them. I have an example from our church women's ministry. We do not serve or provide alcoholic beverages at any of our church sponsored gatherings. This is not because we believe that it is sinful. It's because of the prevalence of addiction in our society. There's a high likelihood that someone in our small group is either dealing with addiction herself, recovering from an addiction, or experiences the pain of addiction in her family. We focus on unity rather than what could divide us or cause pain to each other. That's having a hard attitude of love, willing to restrict your own exercise of liberty in public for the sake of another. Unfortunately, we cross the line when we make rules that extend that restriction to everyone, even in a private setting. So ask yourself, is my choice stunting someone's spiritual growth? If the answer is yes, don't do it. Here's the third question to ask. Question three, is it disrupting unity within the body of Christ? This is especially referring to the local church, Let's go back to the phrase in Romans chapter 14, Accept him whose faith is weak. The Greek for accept means to take to oneself, to receive with a special interest, suggesting a welcome. I see an emphasis here on community. Remember Jesus said, All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And Paul wrote, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means you and I have a responsibility to contribute to and protect the love-bonded Christian community. But more than that, we are to remember who is Lord over our church community. It belongs to Jesus Christ, not to us. And I bet He's not going to free us to exercise our liberty in such a way that will divide or cause dissension in His church over a non-absolute, disputable matter. Balance your liberty with love. Paul would be the first to tell you to talk to Jesus about any issue that comes up you don't know how to handle. Ask if the issue is a moral issue. If yes, the Bible already tells you how to respond. Jesus will also give you the strength to stand firm on his truth. If not a moral issue, then ask Jesus to show you what his will is for you on that issue. He'll let you know within your heart whether it's right or wrong for you. If he doesn't give you a personal conviction about it, you can follow your preferences and enjoy your liberty. Ask if what you are doing or not doing is stunting someone's spiritual growth, including your own. If yes, don't do it in their presence until they are ready. If the answer is no, great, enjoy your liberty. Either way, you are balancing liberty with love because you considered the other person first. Ask if the issue is disrupting unity in the body of Christ, especially the local church. If yes, don't pursue it in such a way that will divide or cause dissension in his church over a non-absolute. If the answer to that question is no, great! Enjoy your liberty. Either way, you are balancing liberty with love because you considered the other believers first. As Martin Luther wrote, in Essentials, Unity in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, love. So true. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with His grace so that your life overflows with His grace every day. You will experience a life of freedom and joy. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 9 of Satisfied.